We're all excited about traveling to the Feywild in the Wizards of the Coast, newest publication for D&D 5e. But that's not the only Feywild supplement out there. The Splinterverse has something that will certainly enhance your game in the Feywild. He's a gamer, content creator, and author. It's Jimmy from the Splinterverse, this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Okay, we're, we're live now. All right, let's get to know Jimmy. Jimmy's here from uh, Splinterverse. Uh, we just have a few questions that I know all of our listeners are going to be curious about. Let's start with a would you rather. Okay. Would you rather accidentally laugh really loud at a funeral or loudly fart while giving a speech at a wedding? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I well, know you, neither you is did, not an you option. You did say so. we could ask you anything, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did say that. Remind me not to say that again. Um, gosh, I, I think, okay, I've given a speech at a wedding and I had a microphone. So I think I would go with that because maybe I could make it, you know, knock into the microphone or something else and just like distract, cover, cover myself. So I'm going to go with that. I, yeah. I did I, did I get it say. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas <laughs> I would laugh at the funeral. Yes, I probably would too. <laughs> and also loudly fart. Um, yeah, I'm old. I get away with it. Yeah. Uh, would you rather lick every inanimate object you see or be licked by every living thing you see? Oh, my gosh. Is there, like, a period of time on this? Like, is it for, like, the next 15 minutes or, like, an entire day? Or Well, so you're at the mall on Black Friday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the worst. Because I'm a germaphobe, so this <laughs> is – neither one is good. I think – be licked by everything, living thing, because at least I could wash it off and I'm not ingesting it. If I'm licking stuff, man, who knows? Yeah, and, and I would you, have. You never know. Every, well, I don't know. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so that'd be an interesting way to get your inoculation. That that would yeah. be. Yeah, your immune system would be <laughs> like iron yeah, at yeah, that point. That's it. Yes, I'd be patient zero after that. And and I've often I've often thought of this every time I've been at a register of. Uh, but what set of items could you buy that would make the cashier the most uncomfortable? Oh my gosh. Diane Sawyer has nothing on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barbara Walters, look out. Um, gosh, I mean, I guess a random combination of something from like the fl- family planning aisle and then <laughs> some weird other object from the store. I mean, but I'm I'm not easily embarrassed in real life. I mean, if you could see me, you'd understand why. But <laughs> I, I just I just am not. I mean, I'm I'm the one that like back when I was in my 20s and I had roommates and somebody'd say, "Oh, I gotta go to the store and buy this embarrassing thing." I'd be like, "I'll get it for you. I'll go with you. Come on, I don't care." You know, and I'd just walk right up there and put it on the belt, proud as could be, because I I don't care. At the end of the day, what people think of me is none of my business. I like this guy. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I've always wanted to like 
buy like a basket full of like lubricant and then like one of those things that like your mom stirs the cake batter with, you know, it's got the, it's a little motorized things. With it's, called, a, it's called a mixer. A mixer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not like a big stand mixer, but one of the handheld things yeah. and just, uh, you know, power tools, any kind of strange battery operated thing. Plus what you're talking about would be three pretty, gallons of olive oil. Yeah. Yes. And just, just say, will this work with only one of the little mixer things on it? <laughs> Throw some um, duct tape in yeah. there, you know, it's you got, just, you, and you got to remember to wink at the cashier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> and, uh, and, and finally, have you ever had a weird Uber experience? This is going to sound strange, but I have never been in an Uber or Lyft. I, I feel like I am the Uber or Lyft for friends because they, <laughs> I'm always the designated driver. So, and I live, I live in Phoenix. So it's just like LA where you have to have a car or you just can't survive. So, so I end up being the driver and then everywhere I've gone, uh, there's good public transportation. So I just haven't had a chance yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that first weird experience. Yeah, I never have been in an Uber or a Lyft by myself. I just figure it's it's a good opportunity for like a serial killer to abduct someone. Um, oh yeah, the only time he's been in an Uber is with me. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that I, made every experience weird. <laughs> yeah, I figured you know if if someone's going to get a little you know kind of abductee, we can like turn the tables on him and go, aha, we have our own duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave home without it. Yep. So this goes with the previous question. I got it. I got it. Did I win? Did you, I win? You, you, yes. win, you win the prize. Yeah. You, you, awesome. virgin of yeah you get to spend the next 45 minutes to an hour with us asking more weird questions. Awesome. Tell us how you got started in gaming. When I was a kid, I really did not have that many friends, like one or two. And um, so I would spend a lot of time by myself. I would, you know, read comics. I, I grew up in the TSR era. So I would see those boxes sitting on the shelf and I would convince my mom to let me get them. And then I would get them and go, now I have nobody to play this with, <laughs> but I would sit there and read it. Right. And I, I fell in love with the tables and the graph paper and I would just make these dungeons and, and uh, you know, roll on the table and amuse myself, even though it was just me. And so that's kind of how I got into TTRPG stuff, but branched out into video games, you know, as video games came up and, and, uh, have always enjoyed having some form of gaming in my life. So what are some of your favorite, um, video games? Ones that are gone. I, I think me playing them, uh, kills them off because, uh, you know, I played Marvel Heroes that got shut down. I played City of Heroes that got shut down. Hex Shards of Fate got shut down. So you don't want me playing your video game. But So so you're the reason why they took City of Heroes and, and, and City of Villains and um, <laughs> banished them? Pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. I still play, you know, every once in a while I'll play some WoW. I'll play some Dead by Daylight or whatever. But I just, I, I usually don't have much time. I find that if I play a lot of video games, I don't accomplish a lot of other things so i try to limit it like i'm my own parent i wish i had that willpower <laughs> <laughs> we do too lou what uh what tabletop rpgs did you play other than D? &D? other than D, D, I messed around a little bit with the uh, marvel superheroes one back in the day that was another one that i that i liked i liked all the little fold-up miniatures 
but not many. I'm hoping I'm hoping I can take a break in the near future and play maybe some other ones that I haven't tried just to see what other kind of mechanics are out there because I'm fascinated by that as a creator, you know. Yeah, our, our buddy Hudrat uh, Johansson um, is developing a game called the Hybrid Hybrid Gaming System with the Ite Gaming Engine, and it's like kind of over the top fun. It, it's pretty simple, easy to pick up mechanics. It's one of my favorite games to play because you can just really be kind of over the top. Physics don't always come into play with <laughs> with, with, with game, which makes it <laughs> that's fun. good. Yeah, a lot of lot of eighties action stuff um, goes on there, like the wire wire foo stuff. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yep, love that. Definitely worth keeping your eyes open for. It's uh, if you want interesting game mechanics. So, are you a player or a DM? Mostly a player these days. Uh, you know, back when I was reading those books by myself, I would try to DM like with my brother, but I didn't know what I was doing. I mostly just story told and and had him roll a dice here and there <laughs> um but yeah I'm, I'm mostly a player now what do you prefer player or dm a uh, player did you hear me yes yeah yeah okay yeah player yeah scott would prefer to be a player too but yeah it would be nice <laughs> someday are you stuck as dm yeah it's been like a, a perpetual cycle um Aww. yeah I'd, Almost I'd like give, being in an abusive relationship. I would give him sympathy, but I did it for 40 years, and I basically took off the mantle, then beat him with it. And ah. and, and his, his curled-up husk on the floor had to grasp it for comfort, and he hasn't let go yet. Yeah, I haven't been allowed to. They kept putting it back <laughs> in my hands. So, <laughs> Well, you must be good then. Um, I think nobody else wants to do it. That's He's fantastic. He's fantastic. He's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's what they say to keep me doing it. It works. Well, it, it's recorded now. Now you have evidence now it is, that they, yes. they think you're awesome. One thing I don't suck at, <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> so tell us about the Splinterverse. So it started as my username, and it's actually based on a story that I want to write someday. There, There is a meaning to the word. And, yeah, it just started as my username for a lot of the games I was playing, and then... I started a YouTube channel and was using it there. And then I thought, you know, I want to branch out and do publishing. And so then I thought, well, let me use this as the brand. And it just, it just kind of snowballed. But basically the short meaning of it is it's like a universe that splinters off from the main one. And so that's kind of what I intended to do is just kind of create my own little universe of products and fun stuff. So here we are. Well, it's so far your products are looking very good. I'll, I'll I'll say that. Oh, thank you. Let's talk about your newest book, The Feywild sure. Companion. I've been perusing through it. I like it a lot. Awesome. Yeah, it was um, it was kind of a challenge for myself because I'd done a few books with just a small team, me and an, an editor and um, some writers, and I thought I want to try to go even bigger. And I want to work with some other writers for a change, get them in there. And so I, I started uh, seeking submissions and then I brought in a bunch of writers, got 14 writers total and over 20 artists. And I had fortunately in my non-gaming life been been an editor for publishing houses and um, worked in marketing and all of that stuff. So I knew I could lead a project like this and organize it and, and treat it like a professional publication. 
and come up with a good end product. But it, it, it was a challenge because we didn't know for sure what which light was going to have in it. So I had to make a lot of decisions about what to put in versus whatnot. And so every little reveal, every little leak, I was all over it looking at what they were doing and just hoping and praying that our stuff would would fit nicely with it. And I think it it does. I mean, the way I, I envisioned it was I wanted this to be the one book you get if you're only going to buy one more book to go along with your Witchlight book because it would it would fill in some of the gaps. It would give you some supplemental material and it would synergize so well with Witchlight that you could feel like you had enough to do something beyond just running the Witchlight book as it is. And then beyond that, I wanted it to be able to stand on its own. I mean, we, we created a whole new domain in there. So if you didn't want to deal with Prismere, you could go to Dualis or you could go to Prismere and, and then go to Dualis afterwards or vice versa. And that was, that was one of my big goals too, was to try to be the first to publish an additional domain. And since we published the day before Wishlight, we did achieve that. There were a bunch that came out the day of that we didn't realize were coming because um, they arranged to do the, uh, Adventurers League series that had each one had a domain in it. So I was grateful to, to, to achieve that dream. But yeah, it was just, just a fun way to explore the Feywild and really hit a lot of unmet needs with the book. And, and I'm astonished by how much uh, collective subconscious there is. I mean, little things from like their book has a displacer kitten. Our book has a, a, a blink dog puppy basically so you kind of have these like synergies and they have the glasswork golem and we have the glass whale which is another creature that is formed out of stained glass and they're so different that they can both live in the same place and play together you know so it was fun there were there were things we changed like the um the fey bound lineage that we have in there it was originally called fey lost and then we we saw them come out with with their talking about what they're doing. They have a fey loss background, and we're like, oh my gosh! And I'm actually happy that that happened because I feel like the Feybound is an even better name for what my vision for for the Feybound ended up being. So it worked out, but it was just like there were so many little things like that where I'm like, there must be a collective subconscious or something because it's more than just thinking about things that are fairy related and both of us having fairy related things. I mean, that's obvious, right? It, 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 it went beyond that. So I don't know. They feel like they really do kind of work well together and it's, it's, it's feels cool. Well, mission accomplished as I was going through it, I'm looking at all the different parts that are in there and between, you know, you've, you've touched on all the classes, which was awesome. Everyone's got a little, a little something to look forward to, uh, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was important. We 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 thought, ah, you know, we got to hit every single class because it's just not fair to leave one of them out, especially <laughs> since we know Wishlight isn't going to do subclasses and people like the subclasses. And then we wanted to do some backgrounds and touch on like the carnival side with our clown background um, and then the more uh, esoteric side with the dreamer background and um, then lineages. I'd done a whole book on lineages, so I wanted to do that again. And that was, that was a lot of fun. I think um, I got to try some different mechanics with the Feybound where you have like one trait that works one way in the material plane and another in the, in the Feywild. And then just um, also making the numbers on the die. You know, you always care about the one and the 20, but with, uh, with the, the Feywild trigger, 
ability for the the fey bound you actually have to care about a different number on the die for a change and i thought you know let's give these other numbers some love on (laughs) on on the die here and uh so it was just kind of fun just doing some different things that i hadn't seen before and just hoping people would like it and thankfully they did i'm i'm just so so excited it sounds like a massive undertaking uh, pulling together all those artists, all those contributors, and then organizing a book and then publishing it. How how long did it take before like work was actually started on the book itself? Um, yeah, it, I started in May and I started with me writing some of the pieces that I wanted to write. And then I started soliciting and uh, I was I was surprised with how well the schedule worked. We had most of it pretty much ready to go at at the beginning of uh, September, at the end of August. So we had almost a month left over of time to just kind of read it again, read it again, read it again. I'm big on making sure there's as few typos as possible. I mean, I really want my brand to be known for like not being annoying in the sense that you're reading through and you're just irritated by all the typos and spelling mistakes and formatting problems and stuff that it takes you out of the fun. I, I want ultimately for the books to feel like wizards just dropped an extra book on you and surprised you, you know, as, as close as I can get, I don't have their money. I wish I did, <laughs> but um, I want to get as close to that as I can and just, just set a really high bar. You're not too far off the mark. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I see the, the Witchlight book as being more for the DM and your book is really, to me is for the players with all the classes and subclasses mm-hmm. and new spells and the beautiful artwork. Yeah, the artwork is amazing in this thing. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I'm just so honored and, and fortunate to get to work with some awesome people. And yeah, I just can't say enough about all the different artists and, and collaborators. I mean, just the give and take of, of people working on it. And there was a real passion from everybody involved because I set up a private Discord server. And what I did is I said, this is an opportunity for you guys to see behind the scenes of making a book. I mean, I've done this professionally outside of the, the role-playing space. So you can see what I'm doing if you want. If you want to see uh, you know, a sample of something and, and give me feedback on it, you can. I can't pay for all that because I'm paying you for your writing and things like that. But if you want to voluntarily just just hang out and kind of get some learnings of what I'm up to, I'll share with you how I'm building the book and like decisions I'm making. And I was really impressed with how many of the contributors decided to just hang out and volunteer and just give, you know, a second set of eyes on things. And it was it was just fun. We had we had fun. It was like a family. We just grew closer together and, and um, the ideas were really, really fun from, from the whole crew. So it was awesome. Where does one find all these contributors and artists? Um, in this particular case, I advertised on the DM Guild Discord and the drive Through RPG Discords initially, and then I expanded it to Twitter. And I'm so glad I did because there were people that contributed to this book that had never been published before or had never published in the TTRPG space, and this was their dream, right? And had I just stuck to the the traditional locations, like you know the the Discord servers for the for the published you know publishing sites, I don't know that I would have gotten as many submissions from people that were new to the, new to the game, basically. So it was great because I had people that had done a hundred titles, and I had people that had done none, and we all got to work together. 
So what other Splinterverse titles can we look for? Um, as far as ones that are out, I have uh, two other ones that I can recommend. There's another one that's being retooled right now, so I'm not going to recommend that one today. But uh, I've got Van Richten's Librem of Lineages, which is uh, focused on lineages, and it has four really fun different lineages in it. Uh, they, they're similar to the ones that you've seen in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, and then it's also got optional rules for how to remove a lineage from a person. Uh, maybe, you know, you get a player that's like, ah, I don't want to be this lineage anymore. It, sh- it shows you how to remove all of the published ones in my book and the official ones. And then there's also rules on how you can string them together to have uh, kind of chained lineages. And what I wanted to do with the lineages in that book was think beyond physical transformations because most of the lineages – Something has come into the character's life. Something has changed, you know, whether the Dampier, they've, they've interacted with vampires or the Hexblood, they've interacted with hags um, or Reborn, they've died. So I thought, what, what else can I do? So I started thinking about objects. And so one of my favorite ones in that book is called The Key Keeper. And it has to do with uh, a character being handed a key that becomes tied to their soul. And if they lose it, they die, and they only have so much time to get the key back to avoid dying. That sounds and then, interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's so much stuff that goes along with it. Um, and then there's another one t- where you're tied to a book called The Book Bearer, and it involves Mephistopheles and, and recording things for Mephistopheles and um, all kinds of fun stuff. There's one related to like a parasite called The Blighted. And then another one uh, where your your shadow is not your own anymore. You actually could be like an elf with a minotaur shadow, and it's called the shadow of soul. Yeah, it's it's. I just thought, let me take this concept and really just stretch it and see what see what we can do. And it was it was a blast. But the other the other book um, that I that I can recommend right now is called uh, Potions Unlocked, which it's over a hundred pages. It's print on demand. It's digital. And the whole concept, it's, it's first in what I envision is a series of unlocked books. And the whole concept behind it is to take something in the game that has become kind of stale, run-of-the-mill, maybe even forgettable, unused, and just blow it up. Make it something that you can't wait to have in your game, something that is edgy, something that is different, fun, just out there. And so um, it starts with um, optional rules on how to take the potions beyond just a normal consumable. So they have serving sizes, basically, to where the potions in the book, you can have three servings, four servings, six servings. Each each potion described in the book has a serving amount associated with it. So that it's not just drink it and it's gone and you forget about it and everybody has a potion of healing. It's it's a lot more to that with a, a lot of different legendary and and very rare. I've got all the different rarities in there. But then beyond that, I, I thought, okay, what else can I do with potions that hasn't been done? So I came up with ways to craft these particular potions with uh, details on what you would do to craft each one of the potions. Then I wrote origin stories, little short stories for each of the potions so that if you want to have the character go into a, a potion shop and have them look at something, and then the, the the shopkeeper's like, well, let me tell you a story about how that one came to be. They can rattle off this whole story from the book. Or if you're a crafty DM, you can take that story and 
put your characters in it and use it as an adventure and come up with how they create this potion. And they're not all happy ending stories. There, <laughs> there's some uh, very different uh, tales in there. Some of them are Grimm's fairy tales and some are, are light and fun. But, but what I had fun with with those was that they're kind of like a little cinematic universe in the sense that if you read all the stories for the potions in the book, you'll see some crossovers, whether it's like the name of a town appears in one or a character appears in one. Uh, there's a lot of little crossovers, but the art is just stunning. I mean, there's, there's so many potions that are, the bottles are just crazy looking. I want them in real life. I <laughs> wish I could pay somebody to sculpt all of them because they're really cool. But one of my surprisingly favorite parts of the book was writing about potion themed locations because we also have a school where you can learn to make potions and it's, it's kind of a magic school in the vein of Strixhaven. So you could use it for that. And then there's this, um, potion wagon that travels around and and the the driver is on a secret mission and she um she has tested potions in the past for that magic school so she has some special abilities as a result of having tested potions that maybe weren't ready for <laughs> for use and uh but these they're, they're vendors as well so the the potion wagon is fully stocked so if you need a vendor you've got that and then there's new plants in there if you need some plants we got that. They're all used for ingredients in the potions. It's just a lot of different things um, that all expand and unlock those potions so that they can go to the next level. Now, my favorite part, did you touch on miscability? No. Oh, well, kind of. I referred to it. Okay. I referred to it. And I did have some sections on like what happens if you you mix two potions. Not 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 the same as as in um uh you know the DMG, but right but something about, you know, wild effects basically that happens. So I won't give it away, but yeah, there's a whole table. There's 50 wild effects in there for if you, if you get up to some strange things with your potions, there'll be consequences. <laughs> well, I only ask cause our players will do stupid shit like that. Well, so. I, I did read a little bit of that, um, the, the potions book and it, it was good. I did peruse through it. And I think my, I did like the Van Richten's book too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there's a there's one item in there called the Rainbow Rack, and it has uh, five test tubes on it, and you can literally mix mix the potions together. And I designed it in a way to where if you wanted to get like a little test tube rack and use food coloring, because I made them the colors of like food coloring, you could you could actually do it at your table like a prop thing. And based on whether you mix them together or take the different servings, different things happen. So it's it's a lot of fun. I actually did something similar to that at one of my tables way, way back when is I got some test tubes in, in, in school, made a little rack for them. I had 12 of them across and I put 12 different liquids in there from beet juice to pickle juice to watered down honey to all kinds of things. And all it was just colored tubes. And I actually set up a live like alchemist lab. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. And you know, we, we basically did a little bit of a little live action and I told him, okay, this is, you know, I had books strewn about, I had papers hidden, things like that, all in one, this one room. And eventually someone wanted to, you know, try the potions, and some of them smelled good, and some of them didn't. And, and I had to, the effects were set aside. So when you, when you say you, you could actually pull out the test tubes, I've done that. And it, it's fun. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with Halloween, there's so many things you can do like that and, you know, just just have games where you oh this this is an eyeball but it's really just a cherry tomato you know <laughs> or something right um so yeah it's 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 fun i 
you know, you can always use the test tubes for jello shots or something, I guess. But, but uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It was just a fun, different thing to try. Right. So I understand you're on YouTube. Let's tell our listeners all about that. So I started that during the pandemic. I was just trying to find something to do and I was playing a lot of uh, computer games. And so I started recording them and then the game I was playing, they decided to shut down. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, as I alluded to earlier, so I recorded a bunch of those and I've been releasing them, you know, once a day just for fans of that game called Hex that has been shut down. And that actually ends October 15th. So by the time this airs, it'll, it'll, there'll be no more new videos on that. And the focus of my channel has been shifting and it'll be fully shifted by the time this airs uh, to D&D content where uh, once a week I go through the, the new releases uh, from Dungeon Masters Guild and Drive Through RPG for for D and D, whether it's OSR, Morkboard, Pathfinder, you name it, it's in their fifth edition. Go through those, just kind of showing everybody what came out that week, just talking about it, trying to promote some creators, give people ideas on how they can use these books, get them interested, and also just as a record of what's come out because. Once your book is off the main page, I mean, if you don't know how to search for it, it's really hard to find it. So I really wanted to, to be a showcase for that. And then also doing some sort of one-off videos where I focus on individual books, which I've been so busy making my own books. I haven't done as many of those lately as I, I want to, but I'm getting back to that. I have a backlog of books I'm going to cover. So we'll see more of that, especially once the Hex content dies down here. So can you give us a peek at some of your future products coming up from the uh, Splinterverse? Yes, there's actually a ton of them. I wish I could talk about all of them, but the newest one is also a tie-in, and it's called Fizzband's Vault of Draconic Secrets. And it's meant to tie into the Treasury of Dragons. And once again, we looked at what was not happening in the Wizards book and tried to provide that so that potentially with the two books, you could have a complete picture and so you're going to find subclasses for the classes that don't have them in Fizzband's book they're they're all draconic themed dragon related uh, subclasses we've got two backgrounds one's the dragon hunter the other one's the dragon tamer and the dragon tamer is exciting to me because once again that collective subconscious it works really well with the ranger subclass that's going to be in the the official Fizzband's book and we've got magic items we've got uh, feats, spells, and a brand new familiar called the Dragonling, which is a lot of fun and has some fun lore to it. So it's really, this time it's all player stuff. It's a smaller book. It's not as big as Feywild Companion, but it's it's fun. I, I'm excited for you guys to see it. And we're excited to get our eyes, hands on it. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if you want to tease out some of the other stuff, we've got some time, Jimmy. You want to yeah. drop a couple more hints, you know, yeah. to keep people interested? Yeah, yeah. So this year was all about um, me doing books to prove the brand. So I have this kind of four pillars to the brand. One is quality. I want always with with my books to have a level of quality that is as close to Wizards as I can get, whether it's the syntax, the formatting, the artwork, whatever. I want I want to be as close to them as I can get inclusivity i want to make sure that the characters in in the books you know represent the real world in terms of the diversity that's out there as well as the creators involved i want everybody to feel like they have an opportunity and then creativity i don't want to just do books that are the same as everybody else or that 
just the same old formula. I want to make sure that there's always innovation in every book that we do. Some new mechanic, some new thing, anything, you know, with, with Feywild Companion, you know, doing that new domain was, was, was really fun for us because we knew it was, it was, it was new territory. And then there's some other stuff in there that's innovative. The last one is balanced. I want my books to be known for balance against being balanced against wizards books. Um, now wizards has a wide range of balance, right? You know, some, some are very powerful, some are underpowered. So within that, we want to be balanced so that when we're looking at stuff, we're comparing it to everything wizards has published uh, because we want, again, for this to meld as close as possibly to wizard stuff so that you feel okay, including it in the things that you allow at your table. So that's kind of the basis of, of my brand. And, and so this year, 2021 was about establishing that and, and building all those things. And, you know, people ask me, well, why didn't you just start with Kickstarter? Why, why are you self-funding this stuff? Why are you doing all this stuff? And I said, because if I was looking at a Kickstarter, I would be like, who is this guy? Why, why does he think he could do this? And so I wanted this year to be like, let me prove that I can do this so that in 2022, when I do some Kickstarters, hopefully um, people will, will believe that I can do it, that I can deliver and that um, these four pillars that I talked about are going to be present and, and whatever the, the concept is. So I'll tell you that um, I can't get into too many details, but there's there's something in D&D that has never been covered in terms of lore. In fact, they've tried to ignore it. And one of the ideas will will explode that and really give us finally some lore for that area. There's also uh, more unlocked titles coming where we're going to take parts of D&D that have been ignored, left alone, uh, abandoned, and revitalize those. There's just so many concepts that are that are unreal and then my biggest thing is the campaign setting that I want to do and it, it's something that I just am so excited about I feel like it's the best idea I've ever had so that would probably be like the third or fourth thing for 2022 would be to hit my campaign setting but but I'm going to be new to Kickstarter so I'm going to try to start one of those early next year see how that goes if I can do you know a couple of those and get out some great books that way I will I'll, I'll continue to self-fund here and there too but I want to learn how to do Kickstarter and see see how I can do that because ultimately I can't self-fund forever you know I gotta I gotta be able to have this fly on its own but at the same time I wanted that track record so that you guys would go wow okay I can believe in this and I can actually back it and, and feel confident and I can tell you you know, even with starting in May, it's a challenge to get a big 150 page book done, but we met all our deadlines. We were done early and it, we had quality. It wasn't rushed. And so when I do a Kickstarter, it's going to be like that. I'm going to, I'm going to hit my deadlines probably be early. And um, I'm not even going to start the Kickstarter campaign until I have some significant chunks done because I want to deliver on time or early so that also with Kickstarters, people can believe in me and say, okay, if I back one of his Kickstarters, I'm, I'm not going to have to worry. Well, I'll back it. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We're all on board. It, sound, it <laughs> cool. sounds exciting. And um, I, I certainly hope when you do start your Kickstarter that you reach out to us so we could have you on again. Yeah. So we, you know, you could oh, talk yeah. about no, it because I'm curious. I'll probably be emailing you regularly. So what's up? <laughs> you know, and just... No, totally. I, I want to come back and, and, and talk about that. And, you know, I'm going to need all the support I can, you know, this is, 
this is a hard industry. You know, there's a lot of competition. There's, um, there's a lot of choices you have to make. Do you put in the money or do you, do you go another route and try to do just, um, you know, trading with people or go with stock art or like, what, what are your choices going to be? And it's, it's, that's one of the reasons I like doing the weekly video series on YouTube is I feel like maybe I'm helping people find some of these titles and, and um, helping them, you know, get some money in their pockets. Cause it, it is, you know, you can basically operate in the red if, 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 if you want, I mean, with this, it's a, a labor of love for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and it's obvious when you look at some of the, the products that are, that are out there where, you know, people treat it almost as if it's their offspring. You, you can tell that there's a passion for, for the hobby, which is always, always nice. Yeah. I'm every week. I I'm just, cause when I record those videos, I, I, I save, my reactions until I'm recording. And I'm always just like, Whoa, I didn't know this was, you know, somebody made this, this is an awesome idea. And I also find like little things like, Oh, your preview isn't working on your title and stuff. So I feel like I'm helping them also maybe see how a customer sees their catalog page. So I feel like it's a good series for the creators as well to kind of get some input. It is. I, I have to comment on your pillars. I like that you are putting some focus on the inclusion piece when when I first started gaming, it was uh, Caucasian males, and it was that way for a very long period of time where it was just like us. It was a monochromatic hobby. And then, you know, of course, if you went out to conventions and the, and the whatnot, there was uh, it became a little more diverse. But it's uh, a more diverse population now in the hobby, which I think is really good. And having, having the publications reflective of that is important, you know, to keep, that, keep building that diversity. It is. I mean, people need to see themselves. You have, unfortunately, children, teenagers that get depressed because they don't see themselves reflected in whatever it is, whether it's television, films, books. It's gotten a lot better. But, you know, when I was growing up, there there just wasn't a lot of examples for, for certain types of people. And it, it just it's just a bummer because that's not how life is. Life isn't so homogenous it doesn't have to be like hitting people over the head with it. I mean, when I was writing those short stories for, for potions unlocked, it's like, I, I go into what I call my heart space when I'm writing and these characters would just show up and this character just happened to be disabled or just happened to be, you know, whatever from a certain walk of life. And, and it just, it was cool. Cause I'm like, yeah, you're all welcome. Come to the party. Let's, let's, let's have an adventure with you and show people that, you know, not everybody is, a certain way. And and that's another reason in, in Feywild Companion, I was so excited for us to do the Oath of Beauty for the Paladin because it is a, it nowhere in there does it tell you what beauty is. It talks about ugliness and the sense of like evil and vanquishing evil. And we, we made the decision to make the art sort of not the traditional beauty you know, the, the people that people associate, I, I think it's a very beautiful figure, but there's people that would say, well, traditional is, is white. It's, uh, it's this tall, it's that, you know, and it's like, we wanted to say, no, we all can own beauty. And, uh, it was, it was a fun one. And that's Jimmy from the Splinterverse. Interested in getting your hands on the Feywild Companion and other great titles from the Splinterverse? How about checking out a new YouTube channel that would fit nicely into your regular rotation? We got you covered. The links are in the description below. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. 
please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.